You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reader and brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, a wholly owned subsidiary of 12th Man Solutions Limited. Hi there and welcome to episode 25 of The Exhibitionist, our first birthday edition. So hopefully you are sitting back with a glass of something fizzy to help us celebrate 12 months that we have been putting out episodes of The Exhibitionist. So thank you for listening to us for the last year. Very shortly, we're going to hand over to our conversation with Neil Felton and Neil is CEO at FESPA, who are a trade association for the print industry. I'll let him tell you a little bit more about that, but he's a really interesting guy to speak to um, as we looked at how trade associations service exhibitions for their members. It's a slightly different position than some other event organisers, so we will hand over to that chat very shortly. One thing I just wanted to raise today and actually throw out to you guys to see if we can start a debate and get some feedback is whether as an industry we are too transactional and not strategic enough. And this question popped into my head based on two conversations I've had over the last few weeks, one with an event organiser and one with an exhibitor. So I'd be really interested in your thoughts. So the conversation first started with an event organiser who is pulling together their content and currently selling space to exhibitors. And a frustration that they had around asking for more from exhibitors in terms of content and different value that they can add as an expertise that they can bring as an exhibitor to the industry show, but really not get anything back from exhibitors. And feeling as though the key to really delivering something relevant and different and interesting and insightful can't just rest with the event organiser. The exhibitors have got all that knowledge, all that expertise, the innovation, the insights into what consumers and buyers are doing. And it's a great opportunity for them to bring that to the table at the show, whether that's through speaking slots, whether it's through doing teachings, whether it's through doing little workshops or demonstrations. But really, there's a huge opportunity and just feeling as though exhibitors aren't really harnessing that. Conversely, the conversation I had with a client of ours who's an exhibitor who was trying to get that away with an event organiser for a different show and just felt like all the conversation was about was just space and how they could sell space and could they come to a deal on space and there was nothing else. And this particular exhibitor is really quite forward thinking, has a lot of expertise, has a product that could create quite a lot of theatre around a demonstration, but just felt like they weren't getting anything back off the event organiser. Another event organiser who's saying, it just feels like exhibitors only can have a conversation with me about price per square metre. They don't seem to be innovative or forward thinking enough to be able to bring anything else of value. So it just felt like there are definitely event organisers and definitely exhibitors out there who are trying to make a difference and trying to change this transactional nature and make events and exhibitions more collaborative, more engaging. But somehow the message isn't quite landing yet. So I was just really interested if you're an event organiser, what is it that you're doing with your exhibitors that's working really well to get from them all that additional value and theatre and expertise that they can bring into your show? And if you're an exhibitor and you're managing to get some of that away and you're having a a conversation with an event organiser that moves just beyond the transaction of selling space, square metres, how are you managing to bring some uh, relevance and some enthusiasm to their show and how have those conversations been going? It definitely feels to me like a lot of the shows I've been involved in that I've worked on as an exhibitor or even with the event organisers themselves. 
that there have been lots of opportunities and exhibitors just don't recognise the value that they've got. But equally, we're not quite converting it yet. So I don't know. Does it still feel transactional to you guys? Does it feel like we're being more strategic? Are we working together to bring the right things to shows? What more can we do as an industry? Is it about helping to educate or inspire exhibitors around what is possible at a show? As a show, are you actually, as an event organiser, are you thinking, do you know what, our absolute priority is to sell the space that we've hired? Once we've done that, then we can think about other things, but we've got to make sure that that commercial transaction happens first. I don't know, I think it's changing, but I'd be really interested in understanding how we change it more quickly and make it feel a little bit more collaborative. Or I might be completely wrong. You might all come back and tell me that that's definitely happening on every show out there. We're bringing people together and it's no longer transactional and we've had a real transformation in the industry. So I could be very wrong, but please do get in touch. I would love to know your thoughts on where we are and what we can do to help make it feel more collaborative in the industry. So that was my little pause for thought uh, for the last couple of weeks. As I mentioned, we're speaking to Neil Felton, who is the CEO of FESPA. So I will hand you over to that conversation now and hope you enjoy it. So on this week's episode of the Exhibitionist podcast, we are very excited to have joining us all the way from Mexico, Neil Felton, who is CEO at FESPA. So welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. So thank you for making time for us. Tell us what you're doing over in Mexico this week. Um, we're here at FESPA Mexico, uh, which is one of our leading shows, uh, one of our leading international shows that we run. Um, it's starting tomorrow and it'll be finishing on Saturday. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. Brilliant. Well, we are um, so grateful. Thank you for making the time for us the day before your big show goes live. So um, you mentioned FESPA there, Neil. So for any of our listeners who aren't aware of who FESPA are, just give us a bit of a background about um, what you, where you've worked in exhibitions previously and your role now at FESPA and what you do as an organisation. Well, you could say I'm a dyed-in-the-wool ex exhibition person, as it were. So I started off um, back at Penton uh, many, many years ago, which turned into Whitaker and then turned later into Closer Still. Then I moved to William Reed, um, where we did all those food exhibitions up in Birmingham and down in London. And then I moved to FESPA about eight years ago. And uh, FESPA are a federation of 37 associations. And we run trade shows around the world for the wide format print and speciality market. So when you say um, wide format print, I read that as being anything that isn't on paper but is printed. Is that kind of right? Not really, no. Um, basically, wide format is um, everyone has the view with regard to the printer on your desk, and that's one thing. Uh, but our wide format is anything which is larger than that, normally larger than 1.2 metres and speciality. So it can be anything from wallpaper, which would be on paper. It could be vinyls to wrap a car. It could be carpets. It could be anything, really. So it's actually quite interesting. From interior design to fashion to graphics, it covers all the gamut of, uh, gamut of uh, graphics. Wow, huge range of, uh, of different yes. industry crosses there. Massive. So you've obviously got a quite a long and distinguished career in um, exhibitions, mm. um, really good pedigree there, but what is it that you really love about the exhibitions industry and why is it still relevant in this the modern digital era? 
You know, it's interesting because I have lots of uh, the younger team coming up to me or younger people coming up to me saying, yeah, what is it about exhibitions? At the end of the day, we are uh, the human condition is that we want to meet other humans and we learn best from interacting and exhibitions will always be very relevant. And I remember back in the days of Penton, it was actually called Independent Exhibitions and the, in, uh, and the Internet was coming along. People said, oh, the Internet's going to kill exhibitions. And actually, it's the complete opposite. What it does is it enables people to be more informed when they come to an exhibition. And people want to buy from people. They want to see the products. We talk about, for example, the wide format print industry. You know, you want to see, if you're spending 1.2 million pounds on a print machine, you want to see it working. You want to see the quality of the print. You want to meet the sales engineer. You want to speak to the MD. You want to speak to the finance guy. You want to do all of these things and understand what it can do for you. And you can't do that via the internet. You can get some understanding, but you really need to get under the skin of things. And exhibitions enable you to do that. Yeah, it's that touching and feeling yeah. and tactile smelling, using all these senses to, exactly. to see and feel exactly. and taste different things. So you mentioned then with Festival, you do lots of international trade shows all over the world. So mm -hmm. tell us about some of the similarities and some of the differences that you see in different markets and nations in relation to exhibitions around the globe. I, I find that fascinating. So culturally, I think um, what we do and what a lot of exhibition organisers do is very interesting. Um, by dealing with all the different cultures. The thing which is the same for exhibitions is that people still want to meet people, they still want to engage people, uh, and they still want to get information. What, different, what the differences are around the edges of that. So for example, the show which we're having in Mexico tomorrow will start at 12 o'clock. Now the idea of that in Europe would be outrageous, and it finishes at eight o'clock. And you walk around the show in Mexico and Brazil and at eight o'clock, the hall is rammed full of people. And then you go to Europe, there'll be no chance of that happening. Very, very rare for a trade show to do that. So to me, there are some big differences, but they are all still linked back to the, the human condition that they want to meet and speak to people. And that's where it is. I would also say there are certain countries which are more open to education than others. The Asian market is, is, is thirsty for knowledge, as is the Latin American markets. And sometimes the European market can be more challenging from education. You need to get it spot on to make sure it's, it's perfect for the Europeans. However, when you're talking about the Asians, uh, the African market, the Latin American market, they are so thirsty for knowledge. Every single one of our seminars is absolutely full. It takes a little bit more work when we're talking about the European shows. So just picking up on that point, it's really interesting when you're talking about it, it takes a bit more work to get it right for the European market. Is that in terms of... Um, there's just a bit more resistance to being educated at trade shows. Is that not what people are going there for? Or? Well, maybe that's that could be the case. And they're very um, a lot of the information which they've received at European trade shows, they've been to for many years. They understand what it is. They are normally quite developed. So the European market, for example, in wide format, is more developed than many other markets. And so therefore, they are slightly ahead of the curve. And so therefore, they need to know something which is truly specific and groundbreaking for them to attend. Similarly as well, it could be down to the fact that our European show is by far the global leader of all of our shows. And so therefore, people have got 700 exhibitors to go and see. So um, they're more time poor with regard to making sure they get everything done. Um, and saying that, I think what's really interesting is that you start to see the level of education increasing, increasing, actually driven by the Latin America and the Asian markets and the African markets. And is there a country that you can think of at all that's really opening up now for exhibitions that you think is providing a kind of really interesting new venue or location that perhaps people are just finding for the first time? 
I think there are various markets in Southeast Asia which are going to be interesting. I think Vietnam, Indonesia, um, Malaysia, uh, certainly some of the Southeast Asian countries are interesting. I think India will always be challenging. I mean, something which I read recently is that by 2030, 66% of all the middle class will be in Asia. Uh, the world. And when you look at those figures, that's phenomenal, particularly for trade shows and, and consumer shows. So uh, if you get things right in Asia, there is definitely a potential market there. And then if you look on the other side of the world, like Latin America, Brazil has gone through its worst recession since 1931, but it is coming out the other side now very strongly. Our Brazilian show gets 18,000 visitors to it. And our European show gets 20,000 visitors and is around about six times larger. So the interest for the Brazilians to go to trade shows is very, very strong. Um, and they will often take days off work. They'll come on a Saturday or a Sunday because they're so interested on in coming to the events. And Mexico, similarly, we've had a massive growth in shows in Mexico, too. So there's lots of potential areas. It just really does depend on the market and the market need. But for us, it's Southeast Asia and Latin America. Interesting, interesting. So you have been all over the world, seeing shows in various different industries. What are some of the common pitfalls that you see exhibitors regularly falling into at those shows? It's the same with all of them, isn't it, really? I mean, <laughs> not preparing for a trade show, not not marketing beforehand, believing that the organiser, it's the organiser's job to get all the visitors, which it is, but actually to get the visitors to come and visit your stand. Now, we can bring 20,000 people to a show. The key from an exhibitor's perspective is to try and attract those people onto their stand because they're competing with others. And so many people in the market do incredibly well. If you think we're in the, the graphic space, so the look of our show is incredible because it's so full of color and vibrancy. Um, but I think one of the biggest mistakes, not so much at our shows, we're quite lucky, but at other shows I see is a lack of engagement beforehand with the organizer and a lack of engagement with the visitor when they get to the show. Yeah, they're standing around on your phone, eating your lunch with your back to people. Exactly. But I think from an organiser's perspective, we need to understand them more because often uh, as an organiser, you think this is easy. We can go, uh, you know, uh, we can walk around, we can go wherever we want, we can have lunch when we want, we can go and speak to clients. But we do need to understand the exhibitor. The exhibitor has to stand on a stand for four days, five days, and actually say similar things is not really allowed out away from that stand. So we need to make the experience for the exhibitor as good as possible because they have a different experience to how organisers view it. And how do you feel as an organisation you're addressing some of that then in terms of kind of understanding data? What, what are some of the things that you've been doing to help with that? Well, I think that to help them improve their experiences that we have partner committees to make sure that they understand the markets we're going to. They are actually involved in the venues which we choose. And so we get them to vote very specifically. And um, we're talking about our partners, but all of our exhibitors. We also want them to fill with the content and um, we actually invest some money through the partner committees. So FESPA is unique on the basis that it's, an, uh, it's a profit for purpose organisation where the money we get is reinvested back into the industry. And we speak to our exhibitors about where we invest that money. So, for example, Printerias, which is about the interior design market, was actually came out of an idea which the exhibitors had on the partner day. And we reinvest hundreds of thousands into projects such as that to engage with the wider community and the wider graphics community. Yeah it's, it's an interesting point we were talking to um, somebody from GES yesterday and uh, talking about stand design and build and um, you know he was saying how refreshing actually sometimes it is to get the crazy ideas from clients mm -hmm. because yep. as a stand designer you can too often just get caught up in the restrictions of 
you can't do that, you can't do that. Nobody will allow that health and safety mm -hmm. letters. And actually you need that sort of inspiration sometimes yeah. from, from a crazy. And I guess for you, it's the same way where like the exhibitors tell us what we as event organizers just kind of dismiss because we think, well, that's not possible. We can't do that. And it's involving them might bring out that, that nugget of an idea that really makes a difference. Well, I suppose the way that we look at it is that our exhibitors are in the graphics market um, and they are all about print and colour and vibrancy. So if these exhibitors can't showcase what a good stand looks like, then I think we're in a very difficult place. Yeah. Luckily, they can. And they make incredible looking areas, just like you would go in there and you think, this is absolutely amazing. And I suppose it goes back to when I first started at Vespa and I had this image of print being very much, a, you know, an old industry which wasn't that engaging and I had a very specific view of what print was and I was completely and totally wrong. The way that every single space that you see now has got print on it and you don't even realize it you know whether it be your car whether it be a hotel room like I'm staying now or a flower market in Netherlands and the whole ceiling is done you know all of these things are fascinating and that's what exhibitions can do. You can't uh, visualize the graphic uh, look of something without seeing it there and then and that's why an exhibition is so important such as Vespa. And so you must see so much technology come into life then mm -hmm. in terms of, it, of all the shows that you're at. How do you think technology is changing the exhibition industry and, and is it changing it for the better? Well I think you've got to embrace it haven't you? I mean I think the things that we couldn't do 10 years ago we can do today. You know the way that we can track, the way that we can understand our customers, their journey and how they are engaging with our exhibition is becoming stronger and stronger. However I think there's a lot more to do. We need to look at hotspots within exhibitions, what the flow is. We all have an understanding of how a, a visitor interacts with a trade show but I still think there's a lot more research to be done on that front to truly understand how people walk around the show and how they engage with the show and how they engage with the features you create. And I think technology is also important. For example, we're going to build um, Print Make Wear at our show um, in Madrid next year, where we're actually doing a mini factory so that people can come along. They can say, I would like this T-shirt. They can see it being made, cut and delivered for them there and then on the show. And that is that's just incredible to actually see that going from beginning to end. You go to your kiosk, you design what you want to do, you print it and it comes out the other end, finished beautifully and uh, also digitally printed with your specific information on. I think that highlights what an exhibition and what our industry can do. And that just brings to life the whole personalization theme that we're hearing mm -hmm. so much about and people want to take yeah. away an experience and something that they can talk to their friends about that's cool and interesting and different and isn't a free pen or a cupcake or a key ring. You've got to have something different. We've got so many. We had um, corrugated boxes made for charities, which you print on the inside of them so that when you give them to the uh, the families who are in need of help, they can turn them into Wendy houses. And you can actually have so many different things happening uh, in this space. And, uh, and I think that's what's so interesting about the technology and how it applies to what we do. And you're right, personalization is key for us. We're in the digital space when it comes to manufacturing. So it's very important to us. So thinking about the sorts of exhibitors that you have, I'm guessing there's um, the time when visitor and, and exhibitor come together at your shows is just part of a very quite a long path to purchase, quite a long discussion about mm -hmm. transaction. Nobody rocks up at your show with a checkbook in their pocket and, and buys a big machine, I'm guessing. So mm -hmm. how how do you think um, technology is helping those exhibitors in keeping in touch with visitors and being able to track their return on investments to really understand the value that they're getting out of? show in a way that we haven't had before 
I think that the um, the technology is is key, but I think the main word we need to look at is community. So what we do at Fespit is we create a community of like-minded individuals with either the same points of pain or the same opportunities. And by bringing those together, we have 37 associations around the world which are part of our federation. We have 16,000 printers as part of that and hundreds of other thousands of printers who come to our shows. And our job is to inform them about what the opportunities are. And using technology is one of the major ways we can do that, whether it be via podcast, whether it be via um, more interactive marketing. There's a whole range of ways in which we can engage with that community. But we see the technology as an enabler to reach and service the community. And as you say there, building that community is very much about um, how you establish a show being more than just three days. It's about something that's kind of alive for that community across the whole year as a a centre of being able to network and share and and learn and those kind of things. Exactly. So how do you think um, exhibitors could get more value from investment that they're making in shows? What are some of the ways that you think? The number one thing they can do is speak to the organiser and not just speak to the organiser. Don't just book a stand with an organiser get to know the organiser, understand what they're doing, the markets they're from. You know, in our case, we're a federation of printers. So we have 16,000 printers and 37 associations who are actually supporting the industry. How can you work with us to engage with that community on a more rounded basis rather than just at the exhibition? So the number one thing I would say is that always try and work really hard with the organiser. And the thing is, if you're nice and civil and polite to an organiser, they will bend over backwards. Some people approach in a different way and they're very, well, we've got to negotiate hard and those things. Actually, when you look at it, the harder that you work with the organiser, the more you're going to get out of it and hundreds of opportunities. And it goes back to uh, the days when I used to run a fitness show is that I used to get on with a couple of clients really very well. And I knew one of the visitors was looking for a whole load of treadmills and I connected them with those guys. It's just part of what we were doing. And that suddenly they had a two, three million pound order because of the connections they made. And I think that's the number one thing. Connect with the organiser and work with them as closely as you possibly can and you will get massive results. I think it's such a crucial point and clients that we work with just seem to be a little bit scared of talking to organisers and feel that it's just that transactional. We've got to negotiate and get money off. They want to rob us. All they want to do is sell some space and then never talk to us again. And it, it's mm-hmm. just not like that anymore, in, whether it ever was, but it's certainly not like that now mm-hmm. in the exhibitions industry. And it can't be. For example, you know, people talk about discounting those things. Look, at the end of the day, we have a product. We do not discount and we don't want to on the basis that the last thing we want to do is for people to be saying, is this product worthwhile? We have a product. We believe it's worth this amount and we will tell you why it's worth this amount. And we work with you really hard to make sure you get a return on investment. And if you're straight with the exhibitors and they will be straight with you, then it's a perfect relationship. It will work very, very well. I'm not saying it's all uh, all easy, but it's always very simple. If you communicate well with the organiser and you try and get as much out of them as possible, uh, you will always do well. Yeah, and bear in mind that um, exhibitions are not the place to be skimping on the budget. They are big, expensive things to do, but they can return a huge amount of value to your bottom line. Um, so Neil, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is um, your membership um, on the AEO Council of Representatives. Now, um, anybody working in the industry will be clear about who the Association of Event Organisers are, but some exhibitors who listen to the show might not be. So can you just tell us a little bit more about what the AEO does and how it helps support the industry? The AEO is critical. I mean, I would say that I'm on the council, but um, they are massively uh, influential and very, very useful 
for both us as organisers, but more importantly for exhibitors. We also have a conference for the organisers as well to understand what the trends are about technology and a whole variety of things. Then we have the AO Awards, which is the number one recognised award scheme in the UK, a fantastic event. I think it's always sold out every single year in Normandy and Grosvenor House. So it's a, you know, there's many, many things that they do. And on top of that, it goes back to what we do. We are face-to-face professionals. And having this council, you'd have up to 20 of the leading exhibition organisers in a room discussing the issues which matter to both the organisers and their clients. And I think that's why the AEO is so important. If you're an organiser, get involved with the AEO. If you're an exhibitor, contact the AEO and find out more about how you can make more from your presence at an exhibition. And I think um, it should be reassuring for exhibitors who are listening to understand that there is a professional body behind the industry who are lobbying on their behalf in terms of some of the health and safety issues, some of the um, policy issues, just the things that exhibitors don't even have to think about because there is this professional organised body who are just doing quite a lot of that behind the scenes to make exhibitions run smoothly and safely. Um, and I think sometimes exhibitors don't see that side of of the industry. And and I would suggest any exhibitor get in contact with uh, not just your organiser that you're uh, going to the show with, but also as well, Chris and the team there are fantastic at the AO. They are always there to help. Their job is to make exhibitions better for everybody. And they are absolutely fantastic at doing that. And it goes back to a little bit is that that is the community. And if you buy into that community, you can get a lot more out of it by engaging with it. Brilliant. Thank you for that. In the conversation today, we've talked a lot about um, global and international reach and um, exhibitions all over the world and and kind of where uh, the markets are developing. But I think as an industry, we can sometimes be um, criticised for a lack of sustainability and getting people to travel miles to go to these events and building these big structures that we then tear down and throw away after a couple of days. And I think there's some fairness in some of the criticism. Um, Kind of what's your thought on the sustainability of the industry and how we collectively can help minimise the impact. Well, it's interesting you say that because um, there's always these arguments. Sustainability is, of course, massively important. And what we have a lot for the um, for the industry is that I was speaking to a company uh, who exhibited ours, Drytech, and they were saying, "Look, at the end of the day, it would cost it would." take us round about three months to go and travel and see all of these key clients we saw at the show. Now, if you're talking about your carbon footprint, that is a lot of carbon footprint. So to get one printer to come all the way to Vespa, yes, there's a carbon footprint there. But if you can see 50 clients, then suddenly you're reducing that. And I think we beat ourselves up about that. We need to remember that actually we're reducing that because we're creating and concentrating a lot of business in three, four, two, three, four, five days. And that is really, really important from that perspective. The stand build, you're right, I think that needs to improve. We do build and and throw it away. But then I think there's also a responsibility on the organisers to make sure that the things that we do are sustainable. We have a a planet-friendly printing guide to help the industry. We're working really hard on actually um, creating products on the show floor which people can use rather than throw away. So printed material which is useful. And we're not there. We've got a lot more steps to do. But I think that we need to look at the positives. And the positives are that we are actually um, reducing the carbon footprint on the basis that people are coming to one place to do business, which would take them a whole lot more to go and see them all. And we look at our shows, 70% of our audience comes from outside the country we're hosting it in. So imagine how much it would cost for that exhibitor to go and visit all those countries. And we have around about 120 different countries which engage with our shows around the world. 
So I think actually it's a good thing. We still need to improve with regard to how we reduce our waste with regard to stand build, um, with regard to the products we create at the show and those things. But it's a very, very important thing for here uh, for us here at Festival. It's a really interesting point. We talk about sustainability a lot on various podcasts to people, and I've never heard it expressed in that way before, but it kind of seems obvious that, of course, you're taking people off the road and bringing them to one place rather than sending them to go and see 70 customers. So absolutely, you know, I've not heard it expressed like that before, but it makes perfect sense. And uh, Good, I'm bad. <laughs> and, and, and how much easier is it to pick up the phone and do a video conference like this once you've just mm-hmm. had, uh, you know, a meeting with somebody at a trade show, then it's much easier to start the conversation digitally, exactly. electronically than it would be before. So exactly. And you talked about the long lead time with regard to buying a product. They will sometimes go to the venue. They will go. They will go to see the supplier. Look at, let's say, the printer. Whether it prints, and you think of how many trips they'll make. Or they could go to one show. They could take one file, and they could get five different printers to print that file, and actually compare the results and say, "Well, I'll tell you what, I'll go with that one." That could have been five ind- individual visits to five different countries, which is a massive carbon footprint. Yeah, great, great point. Great point. Mm. Um, so what do you think the exhibition of the future looks like? What's coming down the track over the next three to five years in the industry? I think what we've got to do, actually, that we know we have to do this, is all about the content of the show. Um, and something which I've always had a challenge with is that um, I used to work on fitness exhibitions and beauty exhibitions, and we used to build um, day spas and all sorts of things at our uh, beauty and fitness shows. And the education side of things is the most important, the content. And so the way that we see it is our features, we spend a large amount of money. I won't say how much, but it's a large amount of money on our features. And it's because they are the editorial content of our show. And that's how we've got to view it. Just the same way as it would be with a newspaper or an online blog is that the content is what's key. And the exhibitors will be around that content. And so we spend, as I say, a large amount of money on our features, whether it be a factory to showcase what you can do with regard to digital printing and, uh, and technology from a textile perspective, or the World Cup of Wrapping. I mean, can you believe we've got the World Cup of Wrapping at our show where we actually have teams from around the world competing uh, to wrap cars and other objects. And uh, I think one video, we had 2.8 million people watching it, engaging with it online. So once again, it's down to content and making sure that content is relevant for the community and you understand that community. And if you get those things right, exhibitions will be strong for a long time. I so want to come to the World Cup of Wrapping. That sounds it's fantastic. Genuinely very, very cool. And we have, <laughs> we've, even had, we've had loose seats wrapped. We've had all sorts of things. And these guys are geniuses if you ever have trouble putting up wallpaper just imagine trying to put a stretchy-ish vinyl on a car with all those different shapes and they make it look easy it's incredible and we have as i say we have thousands of people entering our competitions and looking at all of the information we have on the world rap masters it's a great competition really good yeah, forget love island i think this is the new reality show <laughs> i don't know about that but there we go. <laughs> life from mexico city you talk about content and it is a, a huge part of, of shows now and increasingly so and I think um, exhibitors can definitely take the lead now in talking to event organisers about creative ideas. They've got the content and, and where do you sit on this term festivalization that keeps coming up in the industry? Are you a lover or a hater of festivalization? I'm not a lover or a hater. At the end of the day, know your product, create content which is relevant for the community and you can call it a festival, you can call it an exhibition, you can call it an expo. The key is the community engage with it. And I think often what we do as exhibition organisers, we live and breathe our brand so much, but we need to go and speak to the visitors and say, what do you think of our show? 
And that's what's so intriguing is that they engage with it in sometimes a different way. And we need to talk to those people more. And it's not the name of the show or the name of the type of product. It's creating a product which people engage with. So if 2.7 million people can get excited about wrapping a car, that is a community. Yeah. If, if, um, if we can get 20,000 people in a hall or in six halls, as it was in Munich last year, and they can all be looking at a variety of technology and all of the challenges it faces, then we're actually creating something there which is of value and of interest. Yeah, and that, that relevance, that value and interest and relevance to that audience is, is what will keep the community coming back. We're in a very lucky position. We have 37 associations and 16,000 printers who are members of those associations. So we can tap into what the market is asking for right now. So we are looking at interior design. We've been doing it for four or five years way ahead of the market with regard to what we can do. We're looking at corrugated way ahead of the market, um, fashion textile, all of these things, we can understand that. Not because we're brilliant, it's because we tap into the community and they tell us very openly what we, what we can do. I mean, we're for the industry uh, and we're by the industry and that's what makes FESPA a little bit unique. But I still think the exhibition organizers, the more they get under the skin of the market, the much better they will be to produce a show, whether it be a show or a festival or whatever you want to call it. And just picking up on that point about community, we mentioned it in, in last week's blog where um, we were talking about kind of exhibitors building a community. Don't, don't forget if you're an exhibitor listening in that it's not just the event organisers that create a community. You as an exhibitor have an opportunity to create your community of people who are going to be excited and talking about coming to see you and wanting to network with fellow customers and, and that. So it's not all down to the event organisers, exhibitors. No, we've got a canvas on which the painting can be drawn so we need to make sure it's as broad and as a relevant canvas as possible and then the exhibitors fill in the parts around it and it can be such a strong thing when you get it right it's incredibly powerful so just um, wrapping up the conversation because we know you have a lot on your plate this afternoon um so you've worked in a real range of shows that we've heard about from printing to spas to health to food if you could go to or work on any exhibition anywhere in the world what would that be i'll tell you what the one thing i would love to do is a car show i'm massively keen about cars and i genuinely think that cars would be i think that car shows actually get a bit of a rap but you could actually try and change them and i think lots of organizers are where you actually do uh, road tests with cars you actually engage with the cars or transport and environmental transport to me that would be a a fascinating area to go into that's probably because it's one of my passions food i'm passionate about print i'm passionate about um leisure i'm passionate about i think as most people are but i think the one which i haven't done yet is uh, is uh, environmental transport okay cool so if anybody's out there listening and wants to invite neil along to um to experience yeah. a car show I I would love to, I would love to see it and I think it's so interesting particularly what's happening with hybridization and all those yeah. sorts of things really interesting market and also as well I see amazing cars being wrapped at our show every single year so it sort of keeps my interest there even more brilliant well thank you so much for joining us today I know you have a busy week coming up so um, we, we really do appreciate you making the time and um, Neil if anybody wants to get in touch with you how can they find you um, just uh, Neil, uh, just email really. I mean, I, I don't, I don't do as much social media. I do watch a lot of social media, but um, uh, neil.feltnerfesper.com or just call us. At the end of the day, we're, we're in the face-to-face -face profession. You either Zoom like this or you Skype or you Ring. I'm happy to talk to anybody, particularly exhibitors who say I want to get more out of an exhibition. I'm, I'm a passionate evangelist of exhibitions. 
and we would always try and help whichever market they're in to try and say this is what you need to do and also maybe we can put you in contact with some printers or some stand builders who can do an amazing job with regard to your stand. Brilliant well if anybody missed Neil's details and wants to get hold of him then you can always get in touch with us and we will happily make an introduction so Thank you once again for your time. We hope the show goes brilliantly in uh, Mexico City and we are not at all jealous of the sunshine that you have over there today. <laughs> Thanks very much. Have a good Brilliant. day. Thank you. So thanks to Neil there for joining us all the way from sunny Mexico. Hopefully you found that useful and also learned a little bit more about the AEO if you weren't aware of who they were and what they did on behalf of the industry. Speaking of which, if there is anybody from the AEO who is listening and would like to get involved on a podcast, we would love to have you on board. So please do get in touch uh, and we would love to speak to you about everything that you're doing that benefits all of us in the industry. So that's it for us for this week. Do join us again in a couple of weeks time when we will be speaking to Emily Foster, who is a nutritionist. Now, you might think that's quite a strange guest to have on a podcast about exhibitions. But one of the things we get asked most frequently at workshops that we run is, what should I eat on the day of a show? Should I pile up and on a breakfast first thing and make sure that I've, I've got a full tummy for the whole of the day? Or should I just try and graze throughout the day? And what if I can't get off my stand? What's the best thing to be doing? And so all of those questions, Emily will be answering brilliantly for us to help you fuel up for a really productive day. So that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. If you've read our latest version of the newsletter, you will also know that we are really proud to be supporting the National Literacy Trust through our book sales via the website. The National Literacy Trust do an amazing job helping vulnerable children and adults with their literacy. And just imagine what your life would be like if you couldn't read, how difficult it would be just to manoeuvre around your daily work and your jobs, getting on the train, taking medication, but also the pleasure that you get from reading and also the learning. So we are delighted to be making a donation to the National Literacy Trust um, via our website if you buy our book directly from us. So please hop over to www.inspiringexhibitors.com. I am also considering running the Great North Run on behalf of the National Literacy Trust next year. So if you think that's a good idea and you'd like to support me, uh, then do let me know and that might help confirm my decision. So if you need any more advice and inspiration over the next couple of weeks, you can, of course, check out the blogs on the website or get in touch with us via the website or LinkedIn. Have a great couple of weeks getting ready for whatever you've got coming up in your exhibitions calendar and happy exhibitioning. Hop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blogs and future podcasts, keeping you up to date with industry insight. While there, you can also find out more about our new book, The Exhibitionist, Inspiring Trade Show Excellence. Once again, thank you for listening.